the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. cannot accept or receive the cure from your doctor unless you first agree with his or her diagnosis. You have to agree with the diagnosis and then participate in the remedy and the cure. The same is true for us. We have to agree with God's diagnosis of us that he assesses us as guilty in our condition. If we don't accept the diagnosis, then we can't receive his loving redemption. The guilty condition has to be acknowledged before we can receive His loving redemption. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 2 Kings. There are so many outside the church, and sadly even inside the church, who reject God and the way He's prescribed for us to worship Him. We think we can pick and choose what we like from the Bible and rewrite the rest. In today's teaching, we learn that the kingdom of Judah was doing exactly this. Pastor Gary shares how God's temple was littered with obscene idols. But as soon as King Josiah read the law, he immediately cleaned it out. Likewise, we should obey quickly and completely when God wants to correct us. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part two of today's message titled, The Effect of God's Word. So he embarks on this, he initiates a repair project to build up again the temple of the Lord that's kind of in a shambles now. Great-grandfather Hezekiah did a similar thing. But that was 200 years before Josiah. Your house, you know, after a few years, it starts to need a bunch of repairs. How good is your roof? 20 years maybe? And so, you know, here he is 200 years later, Josiah's like, we need to repair this place. And so he embarks on this process here in 2 Kings chapter 22. Look again at verse 3 says, in the 18th year of his reign. So again, do the math. He starts at 8. It's the 18th year. He's 26. King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, this is kind of like his chief of staff, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah the high priest and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple and have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord. And then he listed out here the carpenters, the builders, and the masons, and also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. So here he is. 
embarking on this project of repairing the temple. Now, in the process of repairing the temple, an interesting thing happens. There's a discovery in the temple of the Lord. Hilkiah, the high priest, discovers the book of the law. The book of the law. Now, the book of the law was, you know, for all intents and purposes, their Bible. Now, it probably was only the first five books. The book of the law probably is synonymous with the books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And here's this book, first five books of the Bible. And it's been just kind of disregarded. And so it's somewhere in some, you know, back room of the temple area. And people have forgotten about it. You know, there's no indication here that they were looking for it. There's no indication that they were, you know, seeking after. Where's that book of the law? Let's bring it out and find it. No, no, no. They stumble upon it. It's by accident. High priest Hilkiah finds the book of the law, blows it off, says, what is this? And he starts looking at it. And then he calls Shaphan, like the chief of staff, to King Josiah. And he says to Shaphan, I found the book of the law. Shaphan, the Bible says, starts to read it. He reads what's in it. Now, there's no indication here that there's much enthusiasm. By the way, enthusiasm comes from two Greek words, en theos, in God. Real enthusiasm is you're excited about the things of God. There's no enthusiasm here, okay? They just are kind of like, well, there's the book of the law. Okay, let me read it. All right, maybe I should take this to the king. So Shaphan goes to the king. But he goes to the king to basically give a progress report on the repair of the temple. Look at the story here, further down chapter 22, verse 9. And then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Now just pause there. All he's basically saying to the king is, Okay, here's a progress report. Just want you to know everybody who needs to be paid. All the invoices have come in. All the builders have been paid what they should be. We're about a week behind on the project, but good news is we're still on track with the budget. So I'll have the spreadsheets for you in the morning. Oh, oh, by the way, by the way. Now, let me ask you a question. If the Word of God was such an incredible find, wouldn't he have gone in first with that news? So he's not even really enthusiastic about this. But then he adds, verse 10, then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. So it's almost like an afterthought. Okay, I'll get the spreadsheets to you in the morning. Oh, by the way, I almost forgot. Hilkiah gave me a book. Would you like a bedtime story, king? I'll read you a bedtime story. Yeah, sure. I want to be entertained. Go ahead and read it to me. Now listen, mind you, Josiah has never heard the word of God. Never. Because the Bible has, has been obsolete. It has been relegated to some back room in the temple for the past couple hundred years probably during the reign of his wicked father and his wicked grandfather. They didn't give the Bible priority. They weren't reading it. It wasn't central to the nation. So mind you, Josiah has never heard the word of God. And Shaphan begins to read it. And when Shaphan begins to read the word of God, I want you to notice the reaction of Josiah. Look at verse 11. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Now underline that phrase. That was typical in that ancient culture to express deep emotion. It could be any kind of emotion. If you got word that somebody that you loved had died, you would rip your clothing. If you got 
terrible news, some grievous thing, you'd rip your clothing. The reason that he's doing this is because he is under deep conviction. He hears the Word of God for the very first time in his life, and he realizes, I never knew this. Our nation has been sinning against God this entire time. We've been allowing things in our nation and in our lives. And I myself, and he takes personal responsibility as well. He's like, I never knew. I never knew. And so he tears his robe as a sign of grief. He is under conviction. Now, let me tell you something here, folks. This is typical, okay? This is typical. Some of you, perhaps, are relatively new to the faith, maybe, or maybe you're here just kind of, you're checking things out. You know, the whole idea of church and Jesus and the Bible is new to you. And so what can tend to happen is, if you're here long enough as we go through the whole Bible, or if you read the Bible on your own, which I encourage you to do, you will hear the Word of God perhaps for the first time, and you will begin to say to yourself, I never knew that. This is what God thinks of this subject, and this is what God thinks of that subject, and I never knew. And you'll begin to come under some conviction, because you never knew. Okay? I don't say that in any way to shame you. I say that to congratulate you. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're seeking out what does the Bible mean? What is church about? Who is Jesus? But in the process of hearing enough of the Bible, you're going to begin to have certain reactions to certain things in your life, and you're going to begin to realize, oh, God says that's wrong. I didn't know. And that's a good thing. This is what is happening with Josiah. We've been sinning against the nation. I didn't know. You might hear as we go through the Bible, and you're going to begin to realize, oh, I shouldn't be sleeping with my boyfriend or my girlfriend before I get married. I just didn't know. Okay, you didn't know. Or I didn't know that getting drunk was a sin. I didn't know that. I mean, I know how I felt the next morning. I didn't like how I felt the next morning, but I, I didn't really know that it was classified as a sin. I didn't know. I didn't know that it was wrong to envy what someone else had. I mean, I guess I realized that, you know, it wasn't the best thing, but... I always liked what they had or what they owned or who they were about. I didn't realize that envy or covetousness or jealousy is a sin. I didn't know. I didn't know that unforgiveness was a sin. I just thought that if somebody wronged me, I was entitled to be bitter because look at, after all, what they did to me. I didn't know that God wants me to deal with that bitterness. I didn't know. And that's a good place to be where you just begin to realize, I just didn't know. But here's what begins to happen. He comes under conviction here. And what I love about Josiah is what he didn't do. And sometimes this is what we can do if we're not careful. Notice what he did not do. He did not retreat. When he heard the word of God, he did not retreat. He did not dismiss it. He didn't say to Shaphan, okay, Shaphan, you know, look, put that book away. Wherever you found that, just put that book away. We don't need that stuff, okay? I don't know what about all these rules, but I've got a new motto for you, Shaphan, the man. I'm too cool for rules, okay? That's the way it's going to go down, all right, Philly style. We're not going to go into these rules, all right, Shaphan? So put away the book of the law because I don't want to hear any more of this. I don't know why the whole Philly thing just came out of my mouth. <laughs> But, you know, it can be for any of us, right? This is not his reaction. What is he going to say? This is 6th century B.C. We're too smart for this. You know, God is way behind the times. I mean, you know, here we are, 21st century A.D., and this is the kind of talk that we hear today. People are like, yeah, I don't want to hear the Bible. I don't want to hear the Word of God. You know, God is out of touch with the times, and He just doesn't keep up with, you know, the way that we're changing things, and things are revolving in our culture. You know, God is just this antiquated guy in the sky, and He doesn't know anything that He's talking about, so I have no place for the Bible. That is not Josiah's reaction. 
Josiah hears it, receives it, and submits to it. That's what he does. And I want you to notice that when the Bible is made central to life, the Word of God has some natural effects. The first natural effect we see here is a convicting effect. He comes under conviction. Now, don't despise conviction. You know, and none of us likes to feel guilty, you know, just for the sake of feeling guilty. So what we tend to do is, because we don't want to feel guilty, so we'll just kind of deny anything that might make us feel guilty. When you hear the Word of God, don't deny the conviction. Accept that and realize that that's a good thing. Because, folks, listen, the conviction that we feel is to recognize that God has an assessment about our condition. The assessment that God has about the human condition is that we're all guilty. We all have fallen short of His perfect standard of righteousness and holiness. And mankind has been striving to try to be good enough to get into God's good grace. You can't get enough good things together in order to strive, and you don't need to improve upon the good grace of God. He loves us in spite of our sinful condition, but there's not enough good things we can do to become good enough. So what happens is we come under conviction. A lot of people do. I don't like the guilt. I don't like the conviction. So therefore, I don't want to hear what the Word of God has to say. I don't want to hear anything about righteousness or God or the standard of God. But listen, you do get this on a physical level because if you go into the doctor's office and your doctor diagnoses you with something very serious, but then at the same time your doctor says, now wait a minute, there's a cure for this. Your condition is serious, but there's a remedy for this. There's a cure for this. You cannot accept or receive the cure from your doctor unless you first agree with his or her diagnosis. You have to agree with the diagnosis and then participate in the remedy and the cure. The same is true for us. We have to agree with God's diagnosis of us, that He assesses us as guilty in our condition. If we don't accept the diagnosis, then we can't receive His loving redemption. The guilty condition has to be acknowledged before we can receive His loving redemption. Does everybody understand this? And His loving redemption is what He gave to us through Jesus Christ who dies on the cross for our sins. Jesus Christ paid the price in full for our guilty condition. But we have to acknowledge it first. Guilty condition before loving redemption. Guilty condition before loving redemption. That's about as Pentecostal as going to get around here, right? Condition, redemption, condition, redemption. Hear the flow? It's a beautiful rhyme. Go with it. But anyway, the truth is that that's the idea. We come under conviction. Don't despise it. You know, don't reject it. By the way, I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit, okay? Just in this proper place. All right, side note to the whole Pentecostal comment. But the idea is we have to agree with God's assessment. And when we come under conviction, it's a good thing. Don't deny it. Don't dismiss it. Agree with God. That's what Josiah does here. And he's cut to the heart. And so what does he do? Well, what he does leads to the second effect that naturally happens with God's Word. There's a cleansing effect. There's a cleansing effect. Look here. Go ahead to chapter 23, verse 1. It says, Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant. Notice that. 
all the words of the book of the covenant. Because if indeed the book of the covenant was the first five books of the Bible, he's going to read all the first five books of the Bible. That is a long church service, friends. (laughs) And notice as he starts reading through it, it says, which had been found in the temple of the Lord, the king stood by the pillar. Of course he did. He's leaning against the pillar. He's going to read the first five books of the Bible. It's going to take a while. And he's leaning here and he stood by the pillar and he renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, regulations, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. And then notice verse 4. The king ordered Hilkiah the high priest, the priest next in rank, and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord. Now notice this. It's going to tell us things that were allowed in the temple. Now he says, because he didn't know beforehand, right? He allowed some of these things to be there because he just didn't know. Now he knows. Notice the cleansing effect here. He ordered them to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah, those are false gods, and all the starry hosts, because they worship the constellations. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. He didn't even want the ashes left in Jerusalem. And he did away with the pagan priests appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense on the high places of the towns of Judah and on those around Jerusalem, those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and the moon, to the constellations and to all the starry hosts. He took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord. There had been this grotesque, sexually immoral idol in the temple. He took it out. He took it to the Kidron Valley outside Jerusalem and burned it there. He ground it to powder and scattered the dust over the graves of the common people. Because, see, there was this belief that any contact with a dead person or their grave defiled it. So he's actually using the dead people to defile these terrible idolatrous things. Okay? That's what's going on. Verse 7, he also tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes which were in the temple of the Lord. And where women did weaving for Asherah. Notice all of the sexual and moral stuff, the impurity, just all of the idolatry. And it's in the temple. It's in the house of God. But see, Josiah comes under the conviction of God's word, and he realizes, I didn't know some of this stuff, and now I know. So I'm going to deal with all this. And he just goes through and he starts cleansing everything, including, jump ahead to verse 10. It says that he desecrated Topheth, circled Topheth, which was in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, so no one could use it to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire to Molech. You go to Jerusalem today, Ben-Hinnom is referred to as the valley of the children because they never want to forget the heinous acts that took place in this location. Ben-Hinnom was the little valley where they would offer their children to the god Molech, and they placed the children in the fire in sacrifice to this false god. It's just this horrible time. Topheth is the specific name of the little sanctuary where children were offered in sacrifice. Topheth comes from the Hebrew word, the root word tof, which translates drum or tambourine. The place was named Topheth because this is what they would do when they would place the little children in the fire and the children would naturally be screaming and crying until they died. They would beat drums and tambourines to drown out the sound of the crying children. Thus it was named the place of Topheth, the place where drums were beaten to drown out the sound of little screaming children. And Josiah comes under conviction. 
And then the natural effect also the Word of God is, I'm going to go around, I'm going to start cleaning out things I didn't know. I didn't know was wrong. Look, this is what happens with us. You get under the conviction of God's Word and you begin to realize what God says about this subject and that subject, this matter and that matter. And you submit yourself then to the Word of God. It will have a cleansing effect. You will start to look at your life in a whole new light and you will begin to realize this has to go, that has to go. I need to stop doing this, need to start doing that. And I need to cleanse my life. And it has this purifying effect. The Bible in Ephesians 5.26 says that we are made holy by the cleansing through the washing of the Word. Jeremiah in Jeremiah 23.29 said, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord. Because it has this effect of burning away all the impurity and the stuff in our lives that are displeasing to Him. So it has a cleansing effect. This is why it's important to have the Bible central in your life. It's why the Bible is central in our church. Oh, that I wish that we had influence with our leaders, that the Bible would be central in our nation, that it would go well with us. But we only have control at least over our own lives, over our church, and pray for the nation. Well, the last thing that happens is then it also has a celebrating effect. Because after the conviction and then the cleansing, notice what happens. They start to celebrate. Further down, chapter 23, verse 21. It says, The king gave this order to all the people. Celebrate. Celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in this book of the covenant. Not since the days of the judges who led Israel, nor throughout the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, had any such Passover been observed. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, so all this happens in his 26th year, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Now remember what the meaning of Passover was. The Passover feast was implemented so that the Jews would never forget how they were delivered from slavery in Egypt after 400 years by the mighty hand of God. There was a feast, a dinner to commemorate. The Jews today still remember Passover every year that they would never forget the great deliverance from God out of slavery towards freedom. But now hear this. Passover was the one feast that Jesus linked to his own sacrifice. What was the last supper? The last supper was Passover. And what did Jesus say to his disciples during that Passover meal? He took the bread of Passover, the matzah, the bread without yeast, which is also a symbol of his life without sin, and he breaks it. And he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the Passover cup. And he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you. Drink all of it in remembrance of me. And then within 24 hours, he will die on a cross. And Jesus was pointing to the fact that the ancient feast of Passover was pointing to his redemptive work in this sense, that just as God set the people free from slavery in Egypt, so it is that God, through Jesus Christ, sets us free from the slavery of sin. Amen? And he dies on a cross because he loves us, so that we, by faith in what he did, would have our sins forgiven and be able to go to heaven when we die. And Jesus says, okay, Passover, 
Yes, a great deliverance, but I provide for you an even greater deliverance because of my sacrifice on the cross. Never forget it. These are the natural benefits of God's Word, the effect of what happens if we make God's Word central in our lives. We're glad you joined us today as we follow Israel's tumultuous history in the book of 2 Kings. We continue to discover important passages such as Elijah passing on the mantle of prophecy and leadership to Elisha and see God continue mighty works through his prophet. Great and wondrous signs were done in this time, and yet the kings of Israel and Judah did not do right in the eyes of the Lord. Their disobedience has resulted in invasion, defeat, and exile. Even there, God showed up, remaining faithful to His people and not allowing them to be completely destroyed. We love walking through the story of God's people with you and would love to connect with you even more. We meet together every Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. But if you can't join us there, feel free to sign up for our podcast or download our mobile app. You'll find links to both of these online at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can also find additional resources to help you in your own study of the Word, as well as more information about Cornerstone Connection. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you tune in again as Pastor Gary continues to teach through 2 Kings on the next edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not a Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.